You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. What up, folks? Episode number five, Fourth Down in the Steel City. See, Colin, I didn't forget. Yes, well, uh uh-huh. We get a note though that says exactly what episode it is so it's not like you're writing this and tracking it down and keeping note and doing a tap like remember you used to write in your hand in high school like someone's phone number or whatever it's not like you're doing that Crowley so I'll give you credit but not not so much yeah it's really just reading which at this point in my life I should be pretty good at Colin Deontay Johnson good enough at catching footballs to get 18 plus million dollars a year a bridge deal I recall somebody, he might be on this podcast and he might not be me, saying maybe it is a bridge deal. I thought that's what it was going to be, you know. It makes sense. It makes sense for the Steelers. It makes sense for Deontay Johnson. It's a W, if you will. That's what the kids write on Twitter. Dub. Give the big dub uh, a W. And I I think it makes sense for both sides, and I'll tell you why. It, It obviously makes sense for the Steelers. They're not committed for the long haul, and they're not committed monetarily, financially a big bang against the cap. And I guess he would probably be somewhere between uh, 16th and 20th in terms of annual value in receivers right now, 18th. right? Yep. 18th. So there you are. So that works for the team, right? It's not a top 10 receiver. Money-wise, it's not an exorbitant fee. For De- Deontay Johnson, I'll tell you why it works. I've said this all along. He's going to take his chances that he's going to outplay one of those rookie guys and then get the big bang. Deontay Johnson, age-wise, where he is, can do this, and it makes sense. He signs for two years. He goes and he's able to um, push his way back into the market in two years. And inflation will happen. The money will be bigger. And he's still in his prime at that time. So he gets a redo at trying to show everybody what he is, and he potentially could come up with a bigger payday. That being said... He might next year, if he had a good season this year, got that payday coming up next year. He also might flop this year, you know. So he has two cracks at getting a bigger payday, and he's still in his prime two years from now. I think it's easy for him to bet on himself and not that he's going to take off, but bet on him having at least exactly the kind of season he had last year and being an over 1,000-yard receiver and having near 10 touchdowns and banking on okay, even if I do that the next couple of years, now that I'm banking this money, the way that inflation's going to go, I'm going to wind up making more money. And the bridge deal is really smart from really in anybody's standpoint now in the NFL, I think, because as you mentioned, you're getting paid now as opposed to the back end. 
where he could have signed a four or five year deal. But then when that's up, okay, now you're not in your prime anymore and you're not going to be making probably that top market value. Now you get two years, 18 million. He was making $3 million this year, anyhow. And then whenever he enters free agency, still in his prime. It makes a lot of sense for Deontay Johnson. And to your point, it makes a lot of sense for the Steelers because what I've said all along is Deontay Johnson's numbers on the whole look good. I hated the way that he finished that season. I thought that he looked really disinterested after that Pro Bowl snub, and then he fumbled the football with nobody touching him. He had a really bad finish down the stretch in the last seven games. So if I'm the Steelers, I believe in Deontay. I just want a little bit more consistency, and now you can pay a guy 18th highest paid receiver in football, regardless of whether or not he's consistent, that seems pretty doggone fair given what he's already given you whenever you're projecting it out moving forward. Certainly. And there's, you know, a Hall of Famer that made a living with these short-term contracts. I don't have the numbers in front of me and I don't have all the terms in front of me. I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. I, I might, but I think Darrell Revis signed a bunch of these short-term contracts and never really broke the bank on a gigantic one. Uh, again, I might be wrong, but I think it was Revis that just kept doing this and doing this and kind of yeah. Kevin Colbert-ish c- kicking the can down the road, uh, which adds up. And it's a way to go in some in some uh, instances. And I think this really, really works, again, for both parties. And then let's say that Deontay Johnson continues on this trajectory. A couple years from now, bang, he can go ahead and sit with the Steelers. And who knows? Maybe one of those young receivers is very good and plays their way out of town. Maybe Claypool isn't good. Maybe at that point, Friermuth's the guy that they want to pay. Maybe Deontay Johnson, because of um, attrition in other places, a place like Los Angeles, a place like Dallas, some, somewhere makes him that $30 million receiver, you know? And that's just what it is. But I, I can't find the negative. I, I can't. I can't find the negative from either side. I'm with you. I've said all along I wouldn't pay him $20 million a year. They don't. Uh, I was dubious about giving them a long-term contract. They haven't. So I can't possibly complain today. You know something that I do think that needs to be taken aim at? I'm sorry to cut you off. I think there's some people who need to eat crow today, and not necessarily the reporters who got it wrong in terms of their miles apart or whatever. Reporters hear things all the time, and it is what it is. The people who sullied Deontay Johnson's name, both fans and reporters, who thought that he steadfastly was standing there and had the hold in because he needed to have $20 million or more. Hmm. That's, I don't want to say it's bothersome because we're not personally invested in this. Like it's not feelings, but there were people who tried to push that narrative as fact, both fans and reporters that he's a selfish knucklehead and he wants $20 million or more. And that's his, where the hell did they ever come up with that number? And it's proven to be not true. Yeah, you're right about that. And where I always came down on it was I respected his ability to do what he was doing, which was the hold-in. I didn't think it was the best business decision for him if he wanted to maximize his potential earnings. But, hey, he does the hold-in. He gets the contract done. It's different than what a lot of people thought that it was. And I hope, and I'm happy it all worked out for him, and I'm happy it all worked out for the Steelers too, and limited hard feelings. His teammates certainly didn't give a rat's ass about him doing this. They respect him. And I will say this about Deontay Johnson, because I've been hard on him from a consistency standpoint, Colin. 
he will do things this year that look top five, top 10 wide receiver worthy. Because he always does. There's always tantalizing moments from Deontay Johnson. The Colts game two years ago when it didn't look like Ben had it anymore, and he really didn't, but where Deontay dives and makes that touchdown catch. Handful of times last year. If he can bottle that and he can be consistent, then this will be a massive deal. Even if he does exactly what he's been doing, Colin, this is a good deal for the Steelers. But if he really takes off, I mean, for the next two seasons, it's really good business for Pittsburgh. And I think Omar Khan deserves a little bit of a round of applause. Yes, sir. This is a pretty unique circumstance. You mentioned Darrell Revis. You don't really see bridge deals as often in the NFL. You just don't. And Omar Khan wants this guy to hang around. He doesn't want this guy to create distraction. He doesn't want his young quarterback or his new starting quarterback that's a veteran, Mitch Trubisky, not having this guy to throw to. So Omar Khan said, let's get it done. And he did it on terms that could be agreed upon by both parties. Shrewd business by the new GM. A day after getting the kicker and a couple weeks after getting the safety, too. So don't forget that. Omar Khan is getting things done in short order and crossing off the checklist. To Deontay Johnson, real quick before we move on, I made this observation, and I'm no, you know, um, Kenny Jackson or big-time receivers coach or anything like that, or Heinz Ward, who everybody wants here in Pittsburgh. I think he makes the back shoulder short pylon catch better than anybody in the league. Mm. That is to say that small space back shoulder catch where there's not a lot of time to react. I think he is able to contort his body and change direction and go get the football when it comes on him quickly as good as anybody in the NFL. And he made a couple of those catches uh, last year. And again, it's that back shoulder balls moving a million miles an hour and you've got to turn and it's already three quarters of the way there. I think he makes that catch as good as anybody in the league. And you got to remember, no Ben Roethlisberger, not that anybody forgot, but Ben was certainly not good last season for the most part. And maybe he develops now chemistry with whomever the quarterback is and his numbers could take off. But I think you're right. He does a lot of things for the team uh, from a wide receiver standpoint that, I mean, you can't, you can't teach. I know that sounds super cliche and it is, but he's one of the best route runners in football. I'm not flip-flopping. I would not have paid this guy over $20 million. I would not have paid this guy in a long-term deal, but they didn't have to do that. And, Colin, we asked the question back when Kevin Colbert was uh, retiring as Steelers general manager, and we didn't even know who was coming in yet. But would the Steelers move off their policy of not negotiating with players in season? And when we talked it out, really, it had never cost them a player. It's an old way of doing business but it had never cost them a player. I think going the way of Kevin Colbert, the way the Steelers have always done business here by not letting this drag out in the season actually helped them. And it helped Deontay Johnson in a way that should become appealing or should continue to be appealing for free agents or current players of the team, whenever their contract should come up. Yeah. You know, I, in a way, I think it's partially antiquated, but if they're undefeated doing it, who am I to argue with it? You know, it's it's not really cost them anybody, and it puts a hard and definitive timeline on it, and it says we're doing business. The other thing it does, too, from an agent standpoint and a player standpoint, you're always playing an away game, and you know it. <laughs> the game is always a home game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you know that when you negotiate and you do, and you do business with them. And in a way, 
some people could think that's antiquated. I, I kind of have really warmed to respect that. You, you always work for somebody, and they never want to lose sight of that. That's a really good point, Colin. And one last thing here on Deontay Johnson. Is it overstated for me to say this, that the quarterback that develops the best rapport with Deontay Johnson is going to be the guy that wins that number one job? Does he mean that much? They're paying him as a number one wide receiver. He is their number one guy clearly now. No question about it. Those rookies are coming on great. Chase Claypool had a great rookie season step back last year. No debate on who number one is now. If if he develops a rapport with one of those top two guys, maybe that wins you the starting job. In a stunner, sometimes you say shit that makes so much sense. What? Um, I did it. And, you know, I that's a just fantastic. Point. Oh, I'm going to tweet it. That, this is big news. Well, no, that someone has from now until the end of camp because that's your pitch and catch combo. I mean, that is who you are. That's your that is game on the line. That's two minute drill. That's let's get it done. That is we need to make yards. We have to come from behind. We have to get out to a lead. That's your A dog. So if you can't force a relationship or mold a relationship with him, you got no shot. And more to the point, if you do formulate a good relationship with him, you think that you would be absolutely the front runner to win this quarterback job. Uh, if I'm one of those three guys right now, I say, now I know he's here. Now I know he's my guy. Now I know he's out there. Man, if I can form some bond with him, that puts me in a really good light. That is one hell of a point. Yes, it it feels like moving forward starting today, the fourth day of August, Deontay Johnson is the Pittsburgh Steelers receiver. And to varying degrees, everybody else is a complimentary receiver. Totally with you. That's why I'm so smart and I said what I said. And – <laughs> you know, it also made me think this, Colin. If they're right on their evaluation of Deontay Johnson, and they believe, obviously, in what they're doing with George Pickens and Najee Harris, boy, if they're right on these guys, they've got a hell of a nucleus as their offense moving forward, as Mike Sullivan would say, because they're young, they're talented. Now, the same could also be true on the other side. If they missed on all these evaluations, you got all these young guys that you're now saddled with if they don't work out. But, I mean, this could be the new generation of the Killer Bees, just without a cute nickname, if these guys grow into it the way that they, the Steelers, think that they can grow into this. If their line can have the semblance of blocking anyone, even if oh, the line yeah, is average. Gosh. They just have to be average. They don't have to be great. They just can't be terrible. All right, Colin, when we come mm -hmm. back, Mike Tomlin, he told us what he's looking for in his starting quarterback. The first time we've really heard what he's looking for. Are you excited to talk about it? Uh, over, over the moon. He's over the moon. We're going to talk about it next. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Segment two, episode five, Fourth Down in the Steel City. He's Colin Dunlap. I'm Adam Crowley. And Mike Tomlin was on the NFL Network, and he said to Kurt Warner exactly what he's looking for in his starting quarterback. And it's not the ceiling, Colin. It's not a guy who can make a bunch of splash plays. It's the guy who can make the routine plays, who can be accurate, who can stay on schedule. For lack of a better term, it's a guy who can manage the game. Is it okay that I hear that? And I think that was some rationale behind picking Kenny Pickett. And it worries me a little bit, Colin, that they picked Kenny Pickett because they think he's safe. And they didn't pick Kenny Pickett because they think he's going to be the best quarterback or have the highest ceiling out of the draft. I've been really thinking about this. Maybe it's just word soup. Because here's why. If that's really the case, that they want a game manager, the safe guy, why the hell did they draft two receivers then? Why did they do that? Why wouldn't they have just lived with Mitch Trubisky and drafted an offensive lineman then to keep to keep Mitch Trubisky uh, clean or Mason Rudolph clean? Why do they need three quarterbacks then potentially? I just I think Mike Tomlin maybe got caught up in describing something and really doesn't feel that way. Although I will say this. Mike Tomlin has been ultra conservative, especially in games on the road over the past. It's gotten increasing over the past 40 or 50 games. That is for sure. Like there's no question about that. I think that what he was also maybe saying was somebody has to start at that level and then they grow into having the leverage to go ahead and play out of that role some. Yeah. And if that's what he meant, then that's totally fine, honestly, that they just don't trust Kenny Pickett to be that on day one. Now, I'll still say if they were planning on redshirting a rookie either way, I still would have gone with the guy with the higher ceiling. But your point about Tomlin's a good one, and it's something that I'm a little bit worried about because for so long, and by so long I mean the entirety of his Steelers coaching career, Mike Tomlin has had Ben Roethlisberger, the Hall of Fame quarterback, to lean back on to win games to make plays, to dazzle and put up points. And now he doesn't. And now he's got guys he might not necessarily trust. And if he doesn't trust them now, okay, when will he trust them? I'm not sure. When you become uncomfortable, when something changes, I think in life, you grab your little security blanket. You find something that's comfortable to you. Mike Tomlin probably feels like he's in a lot more control of wins and losses, the outcomes of these games, if Because he's a defensive guy, his defense is winning games. And by that, I mean the offense isn't losing games. And you brought it up on the morning show. 
Very Bill Cowher-esque. Now, Bill Cowher's a great coach, and you can win games this way. No doubt about it. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl that way, though. And so I'm a little bit worried that Mike Tomlin is now latching on to what's familiar and comfortable to him, which is defense and trying not to lose games. Yeah, I am too. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what he lets Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter in this on this football team. I, I, I have like no doubt. And we'll see what he lets him grow into. I just, I do have a fear though, because this has happened with Mike Tomlin in the past, that he gets a three-point lead. He even gets a seven-point lead. He gets, you know, and it's the middle of the third quarter, and all of a sudden you feel like, I, I don't know. You feel like you're watching one of the service academies. And you say, what the hell is this offense? Just go ahead and score some more points and put this team out of its misery if you can, as opposed to running the football three yards in a cloud of dust or one yard in a cloud of dust and then punting the football. That He, he has to allow one of these quarterbacks, and again, I think it's Trubisky, to try to win games as opposed to sit there and try to not lose games. Totally with you. And you can't not lose your way to a championship. It just doesn't work. Ask Atlanta up 28 to three when they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to lose this game. And then what happens? You lose. You got to go take the thing. Think about the quarterbacks in this freaking league. Think about the quarterbacks in the division, for God's sake. Think about the quarterbacks in the AFC. You're going to beat them. You're going to beat. Let's just think about this. You got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming to town at some point this year. You're going to beat Tom Brady. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by Mitch Trubisky not losing, in air quotes, football games? I don't think so. Josh Allen converted more fourth downs in one game than the Steelers have in the last decade. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, think about that. Think about what's happened. It's about taking some risk with the offense, and I'd like to see the Steelers do that some more. More valuable signing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Colin. David Morehouse or any of the players that they've signed this offseason or drafted this offseason. I think I'll play along. Yeah, play along. Kenny Pickett pans out, obviously. Okay, that wins. But, like, this David Morehouse uh, bringing him into the fold, I think it's a pretty big deal. The Steelers will get one of these two things, if not both. A – unrecognizable, severely upgraded stadium that they play in and or one of these two things or both and or a totally new practice facility and team headquarters, perhaps even much like the Penguins in Cranberry. It could even be moved out of the South Side and be a suburban oasis in a suburban uh, palatial estate for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And maybe they'll sell the uh, sell the south side off to the to Pitt. Pitt side of it is better as it is. Pitt oh can God. have that. Um, it makes a lot of sense for me. Why wouldn't if you have first of all, uh, almost all the players live in the North Hills anywhere, at least the established ones. Second of all, you have the tax break that you're going to get if you go and you move it into Butler County like the Penguins do. Third of all, you can align with UPMC, and that's fine. Like, the Penguins have aligned with a healthcare provider. You could build it. You could build another facility up there. The facilities, it's it's no huge deal down where the Steelers on South Water Street is. It's kind of okay, but it's not this gigantic sort of rehab uh, situation. It can be expanded out in the North Hills. Third of all, or fourth, I don't know what point I'm on. What the hell? It's accessible with a bunch of highways, with the Cranberry Connector and with, 
279, the, uh, the turnpike, it's, it's, it's 79. It's very, very accessible. So all that being said, if you look at Minnesota, Minnesota is the model. Like they have a, a new one, a, a pretty new one that is palatial and incredible and nice. And it's just where they go and practice. I don't know if – and plus you have the Steelers right now. They're in the heart of a very populated area. Oh, my God. And it forces this aura of somebody's always watching us. We're putting big nets up because of the freaking FBI building. And Who's up on that hill across from the railroad tracks? Well, I appreciate all the uh, the stuff that comes with, well, there's a train going by, and it's the, the heart and the fiber of the city. You can't tell me that the brass wouldn't want something to where they have their own compound, you know, that they have their own place out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I can foresee David Morehouse trying to gather the political pool, the construction pool, and trying to just link all the important people together and getting something like that done on top of and or a big time stadium upgrade. Well, and this is, I mean, it's just, you got to start following. Sometimes teams lie to you, right? They'll say, hey, here's what we're trying to do. Here's what we're interested in. But then if you sign three offensive linemen in a running back, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to run the ball. They're telling you exactly what they're doing. The Steelers just got rid of Hines on their stadium. Now they name it Acrisure. They're in an extra $10 million a freaking season. And now you've hired David Morehouse. What are they telling you? Something that they got going on ain't good enough right now. And they know it, and they got to fix it. And it's obvious, whether it's the facility on the south side, whether it's the stadium, whether it's both, is yet to be seen. But I think that's well said by you. You said today, though, this is this is wild by you, Colin, that you wish that you could go back in time on a time machine and have them put up a dome at Heinz Field. Sacrilege, my friend. Sacrilege. I know a lot of people feel that way. I just feel like the, if there was a dome on that place – and look – we all grow and we get older. When Heinz Field was first built, I was still at the point in my life where I was doing Jaeger bombs and it's, and then maybe after the game, <laughs> drinking Aftershock. Uh, so there was that. <laughs> but I'm just at a different point in my life. And you also get keen to what makes the money. It's not some – it's not three guys from Millville that go and – eat wings and go head down to the game and then take an Uber home and, you know, and spend a couple bucks on beers. That's not what makes it money. What makes it money are the big dollar people, the corporate dollars and whatever. And to have a much more cushy stadium, to have something that was more temperature controlled and to have a different environment, I think that Steelers would be more better situated right now to move into the future without a full-blown overhaul if they had a roof on that place and it was essentially a building, I would never have, I'm, I'm 45 years old. I'll be 46 in December. I never would have said that. How old is the place? 18 years. I don't know. Uh, 21 years old, 21 years. I never would have said that when I was, you know, 25, I say it at 45. So, Should they maybe have considered building an underground stadium calling? Have there been any underground stadiums? Morehouse, get your ass on putting this thing under the freaking earth. You want to talk about space, Colin? You could put a stadium underground, and then on top, you could build something else. Well, the I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do, the, do, the, do the UTEP miners have an underground stadium? That's all I could think of. 
If they don't, they're really missing a huge opportunity. Yeah, they're the ones. Or the 49ers. Well, they're more above ground uh, as they pan for gold. But, no, I just I, – I would have put a roof on it. I definitely would have put a, uh, put a roof on it. But, again, that's the – that's the um, – that's hindsight, you know. I get it. I, our memories are wonderful as they are. Troy Polamalu returning the, the interception from Flacco, the big games that have been there, all the stuff that's happened at Heinz Field, the hard-hitting game against Baltimore – uh, all of that, we get it. I understand it. The games against the Patriots, even though they lost, you went into them, you didn't think they were going to lose. Just all those big memories, and they're in that open air, cold kind of situation. And before they closed it, you know, before they closed the one end, how many times they talked about how difficult it was mm. to kick there and how Jeff Reed was so good at that and everything else. But I just wonder if if they had a do-over, if they would have put a roof on it. They're putting it underground. Up next, a player is aging right before our very eyes. And I don't know that anybody really has thought much about it. But I have. It's fourth down in the Steel City. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. Fourth Down in the Steel City, Episode 5, Segment 3. I'm doing this just for brain teasers, just so that I can be sharp in my older age. Speaking of older age, Colin... T.J. Watt said that the only thing he has to prove now after being a defensive player of the year, after tying an NFL sack record, is he needs to win a Super Bowl. And so it got me looking at T.J. Watt. And T.J. Watt is 27 years old. He's going to be 28 years old in October, which is remarkable to me how quickly his career is going. His brother, different position, different body type, I understand, but his brother only had one double-digit sack season after the age of 27. I wonder if we've seen the best of T.J. Watt. This is crazy, I know. If we've seen the best of T.J. Watt, and if when the Steelers are next in their best position to win a championship, is he going to be a principal difference maker at that time? It has me a little bit worried. He's a little older than I would have thought. What years? What years? Age wise, were, was JJ when he won the Players of the Year? Do you know that? Not off the top of my head, 
but it was, I don't think it was when he was 27. I think it was a little bit earlier than that. Wow. Wow. So you're sent. You're sensing a, a big drop-up. Now, the thing with J.J. Watt, he's one of the players in football history that you can think of. Um, and there have been – I'm trying to think of other ones. You talk about precipitous drop-off. Like, he was great, and then about 20, 20 games later, he was somebody Dang. that couldn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, so, it, I, I don't know if I see that with T.J. Watt because to this point in time – he hasn't had a lot of debilitating injuries, so there's that. Also, I don't. I think coming from the edge where he comes from is a little bit different than where his brother came from with his hand in the dirt a little bit yeah. more, and there's not the impact every single play that there was in the mush every single play, and he got caught up in the wash so much. But I don't know. It's a good point. Um, it is a really good point, which just goes to show this. Every... I've learned this more and more, and I've especially learned this this year with the Steelers trying to get Trubisky and stockpiling quarterbacks, with the Steelers now signing Johnson, with the Steelers signing Minka. Every single year should be looked at as a win-now year and figure next year out the next yeah, year. Yeah, I'm with you on that big time. And my concern is, and this is this might be an early concern, but – is that T.J. Watt is really, I mean, he's on a track. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think it's a hot take to say that. I mean, he's been that freaking good. He's been top three defensive player of the year the last three years. I just worry that his playoff success or lack thereof and the team's lack thereof players, playoff success, it's not really his fault, uh, is going to cost him where he might belong one day in an all-time great conversation. I think he's that kind of good. I mean, every year he's been in the league, he's recorded more sacks than the year prior. That is a remarkable feat, especially when you consider the number of sacks he's recorded each of the last three years to improve upon that. I just hope that the team's success can match up with the the individual success of T.J. Watt. I'd like to see that guy be able to win some playoff games and get a trophy or two. A lateral player at a different position, skill-wise, comparable to his peers, who was on a much worse team, was Calvin Johnson. Do we look at him oh. bad, though, or do we still look at Calvin Johnson as pretty damn good? It's a fair question. I think we all look at him as pretty damn good. Um, I think it's a waste, and maybe that's the way I should look at it. It's almost a waste that you could have a, a defensive player that's this mother-bleeping good, and you've had nothing to show in the playoffs. His stats in that playoff game against Patrick Mahomes were pretty good. That first half was honestly spectacular. The defense kept him in that game. It's not like he hasn't done his part. But you just feel like to have that kind of talent and to not have won a playoff game at this point, it's a waste. And so I wonder how long that's going to occur. I feel like I just talked this out over the course. No, that's that's great. For, it's great. You know, another guy that falls into that category, and it's not necessarily about just playoff wins. It's about Super Bowls. Um, and his ankle was dinged up. Marquise Pouncey falls into that category about being measured with Super Bowls. You know, I, I, at least my thought. Like, mm -hmm. did he – was his team success maximized when measured up against how really good he was individually? No. I don't think so. And, I mean, you can have – so Aaron Donald, right? Aaron yes. Donald, the, the, the best defensive player in football, maybe one of the best of all time, certainly one of the best of all time, but maybe he's the best of all time. That's people's talking point now. And I think they're not out to lunch by, by considering this. 
Aaron Donald just finally won. You imagine if they went his entire career without having won. I mean, that's the way I would feel if the Steelers go an entire career with T.J. Watt not winning one, especially when, to me, like, you bring up wide receiver in Calvin Johnson, and I think it's a fair point. I look at the most important position on the field, obviously, is quarterback. And the other guys that get paid, it's the left tackle, and it's the edge rusher. So by pay scale, those are the three that have the biggest impact on winning and losing games. If you can't win with that guy, and he's that good, he set a freaking record last year. Right. Yeah, I'm not loving it. Do you want some listener questions, Carl? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I've been waiting for this. Yes. Okay. Well, we didn't get any, so um, it's really a, really a shame. Oh, that's great. I'm Are you just serious? Kidding. No, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, oh, okay. Come on. I'm not serious. Paul says, do you think the Steelers you – know, where's my note here? Do yeah. you think the Steelers' quarterback rotation is planned right now, or do you think their quarterback rotation – is due to performance. I think their quarterback rotation is planned, i.e. Mitchell Trubisky is the starter and something really precarious would need to happen for him to not be the starter. And then the two guys are fighting over the number two spot right now for some reason. But I do think that Mitch Trubisky is clearly the number one guy going into the season. Somebody probably uh, should have listened to our man, Jeff Hathorne, the sports director at 93.7 The Fantasy, was on with us on the Fan Morning Show, and he said everything up to this point he doesn't think has had anything to do with performance. So Mitch Trubisky struggles, and then Mason Rudolph all of a sudden gets some one reps. He says, don't read into that. Kenny Pickett gets moved from third team to second team. He says, nope, nothing to do with performance at this point. Mike Tomlin has everyone wrapped around his finger, man. Mike Tomlin has all of us. Well, did, did Kenny Pickett go from three to two because Mason Rudolph didn't do something or because Kenny Pickett did? Nah, probably. I would bet until after the first preseason game or maybe the week leading up to the first preseason game, which is next week, I would think then maybe you start doing things based on performance. But at this point, you want to try to rotate guys through. Right. No, I, I agree with that. But I, I just – I think it's all – this is all – just getting people snaps, getting people reps, and it's going to be right backwards. Started Mitch Trubisky's the number one guy. Here's another one. Other than TJ Watt or Minka Fitzpatrick, who's the most important defensive player to the Steelers? Miles Jack. Because if I don't count on, I don't care what the returns are right now early on Devin Bush in practice and TJ Watt saying, oh, Devin Bush has been great. Well, great. That's great to hear. Show me the games. And I, I am of the default that Devin Bush is going to stink. So if Miles Jack isn't great and Devin Bush stinks like I predict, then you got two linebackers that aren't good. You can't have that. Miles Jack has to be very, very good for to, first of all, offset uh, Devin Bush. And second of all, just make sure one of those guys is serviceable. Yeah, I think Miles Jack would have been my pick. Uh, it, it, you've been saying it for a long time. I knew you were going to say it, so I can't pick Miles Jack. I'm not going to pick Cam Hayward because I feel like with when you mentioned Mink and you mentioned TJ, then the spirit of the question is let's eliminate the obvious guys. And so I'll go with Levi Wallace. How about that? Because I just don't know. I just don't know. I think if that guy can be a number one corner, like a legitimate number one corner, not just like, oh, Deontay Johnson's number one receiver on the Steelers, but is he really a number one receiver? on? The... If Levi Wallace 
can be a true number one kind of impact corner. Now we're talking about a defense that's not infallible. None of them are in 2022, but okay. Where, where are you going to challenge us now uh, in us being from the Steelers perspective? So I'll go with him or Keller with us, but really one of the two, one of those guys needs to be a bona fide number one. Yeah. Last year we were talking at this time about James Pierre starting and being one of the top two guys. And so don't lose sight of the fact that the Steelers are, they're still lost at corner until they prove they're not. Do you think that if Greg Brown, the Pirates broadcaster, called Steelers games, that if James Pierre had an interception, he would go, James Pierre! <laughs> I think he would say, Trip, 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 Trubisky! Now that's just that's just that's just wit right there. I mean, I was all excited about this James Pierre call, and you hit me with Trip, 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 Trubisky, which is just it's just wonderful. Do you think? Oh man, Greg Brown. This is not to cast aspersions to uh, anybody calling Steelers game. Greg Brown doing Steelers games for a team that actually wins some games every now and again, uh, and in a sport as exciting as football, would be quite something. I think to uh, to immerse ourselves in. Oh, I think it'd be pretty great. I mean, I, I really do. Uh, he would have something crazy about Miles Jack. He would work off <laughs> Miles Jack Wilson. How about that? <laughs> if you want to send us questions, you can. You can hit me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Colin, what's your Twitter account? I don't. I don't um, uh, Colin underscore Dunlap. I was going to say I don't have one, but people know that I do. Um, Colin underscore Dunlap. Greg Brown. You know, you want to hear a great story real quick before we go? Oh, we're not going just yet. I got one more for you, but yes, go ahead. Well, yeah, ask Joe Starkey about this sometime. You know that the one of the what was the the maybe the Miracle City, uh, Music City Miracle, or I don't know a big no 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 it's a big Buffalo game. Greg Brown was on the call for a gigantic Ooh. Bills game. You can still see it on NFL Films. And it's Greg Brown doing the play-by-play. I know that I had flipped on. This was probably a, easily a decade ago, probably longer than that. And Greg Brown was doing play-by-play some college basketball game. So the multi-talented Greg Brown. I watched, I was flipping through the channels. I may or may not have had a bunch of beers. I only drink on Saturdays. And it was a Saturday. And I was flipping through the channels. It was mid-time at night. It was a Saturday at 8.30 at night. And I'm flipping through, and it's like Tim Neverd is doing a Providence BU hockey game. How about that move? Now, he's from that area, right? Yeah, he's from the same place that Neil Huntington is from. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah that's fine. I'm from The Departed. You boys from Providence? Something along those lines. I probably just butchered it. That's okay. Uh, I'm just trying to stay current with the times, kind of like Steelers. I have a funny story from up there. Can I tell you in two seconds? I went to go through the turnpike. I was with the friends, and we were all drinking down in Boston, and we were going back up towards, like, Worcester, where they live. And so we had a designated driver. We were sober, except the driver was sober. Everybody else was steaming drunk. We went through the turnpike, and the guy gave me the ticket. It was when you didn't have easy pass. You still had the ticket. So I did it like origami. I had it all in my pocket, right? And I was folding it up and doing all – and then not realizing in my drunken state that we were going to have to fold, hand it to this guy. And so we got off at the Natick Interchange, where Doug Flutie is from, right? 
So I hand it to the guy. I hand it to the driver. He hands it to the guy. And it's all folded up nine million ways. And he goes to put it through the machine. It doesn't go. Then he folds it again. It doesn't go. And he looks into the car and he goes, what are you? Some kind of assholes? (laughs) And the answer to that question was undoubtedly yes. That was the the Mass Pike story that I'll never forget the toll booth guy. You know, some kind of assholes. So, yep. Uh, Mike Tomlin uh, has an Instagram now, Colin, and he is going to help me out, I think, because when I click the little search, uh, the scope there on on Instagram, and it cuts to all the all the algorithm right of what I want to see, it's all dudes working out things that I aspire to do in my uh, physical prowess, and then it's a bunch of chicks that are super freaking hot because clearly I've slowed down when I've scrolled past them. Now, if I am subscribed to Mike Tomlin's Twitter or excuse me, Instagram account, it's not going to be as much smut. It's just going to be football cliches and Mike Tomlinisms, and I think he might help save my marriage. Yeah, I think a thirst trap is what one of the terms That's are. Exactly what it is. And let me tell you something, Colin. Yes. It's, it's like coming off a game against Baltimore. It's that kind of trap, man. A Thursday night the next week, I'm losing to Jacksonville. I get caught in that trap every time. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this Mike Tomlin uh, Instagram presence all of a sudden, but I'm also this. I know it's like one of those. It's, it's like one of those specials at the diner. You better get it now because once 6 o'clock hits, it's gone. I think that once the regular season hits, you can forget about this Mike Tomlin Instagram stuff all the time. <laughs> yes. I think that's probably likely. I do like that Mike Tomlin was asked by Kurt Warner what he's done to change over the last 16 years. And the thing he says is Instagram, which had to have made Kurt Warner poop his pants because it was just so out of left field for Mike Tomlin to bring that up unprompted, regardless of whether or not it actually helps him relate to players. I like that he thinks it helps him relate to players and that he's thinking on that level. That's cool to me. But, yeah, about September 9th, that shiz is done. Because there was no one who could relate to his teammates much like Kurt Warner could. Yes, Kurt Warner. uh, He was a grocer. I don't know if you know that. There's a movie about it. And all of his teammates, they could totally relate to that guy, the Christian grocer. That's yes. Kurt Warner. He was like Joel Osteen in shoulder pads. Yeah, absolutely. Kurt Warner. I think his hair is silver. I think he dyes it. That's just an opinion here. Colin, that was fun. You're off to Michigan. Be careful. I am. We got breaking news, though, today. It's a very timely podcast. We'll catch up with you again on uh, Monday, it is. Yep. See you Monday, pal.